0: well okay if if you have a a slow impulse and a long impulse you have a high knee lift if you have a short and fast impulse you won't have a high knee lift the knee rises as the heel drops so as the heel drops that's when the knee's going to rise it doesn't drop very far it's not going to rise very far that's as simple as it gets so most likely i would gamble and bet that the slow person has higher knee lift than the fast person because they don't have as fast impulse.
1: That was coach, biomechanist, and inventor Adarian Barr speaking on the relationship between impulse and knee lift in sprinting. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the Freelap Timing System, Gym Aware, K-Box, 1080 Sprint, and the Speedmat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The Freelap Timing System has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments allowing me to look at the 10 meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The KBOX and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none. Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to episode 132 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith. Thanks for tuning in today. And we have an amazing biomechanical and sport movement episode today with our guest Adarian Bar. Adarian has been a mentor to me for I believe at least the last two years now. I need to actually keep track of when I started learning from him, and he has completely revolutionized the way I look at athletic movement. Um, in terms of just just when I watch an athlete sprint or jump, there's probably five, six, or seven more things that I pay attention to now that I literally had no clue about before. I think there is so many times where we just are tempted to plaster blanket clue cues or instructions on athletes without really um, thinking full circle about the implications. Things such as uh, get your knees up or even, and and I think that's one that a lot of people have kind of dismissed a little bit, uh, the high knee cue, it's on its way out. Um, But even the relationship of impulse or the force traveling through the Achilles, how quickly that it processes the force off the ground and things like even backside mechanics and you look at like noah lyles running 1969 and that guy's got some backside swing behind him some things that a lot of people would say no no don't do that don't do that and so anyways before i get too carried away with the biomechanics of it all adarian Barr is the master at looking at athletes from a holistic perspective taking every single thing into account um, and then finding that linchpin uh, that linchpin of performance that is going to make the impact on the whole thing and I think we talked about that a little bit with Justin Moore in terms of uh, postural restoration Institute. And if we can find things, if we can coach our way around maybe issues that an athlete has from a, uh, inhale, exhale, getting air out of that left side perspective, then that's better than just making it a big deal and just being be like, Oh man, you have to get air out of that left side or you're not going to run well. Anyways, good coaching is about finding that one thing that will set a chain of events that makes everything else better. And I don't think anyone else is better at that than a Darien bar is. And so today on, our, the, on today's episode, uh, it's very detailed. So honestly, if you need to slow down, take some notes, listen to it a couple times, I would definitely recommend that. Ask questions uh, if you have any. Ask a Darien questions myself. Leave a comment. Leave a comment on this podcast on Just Fly Sports because if you listen to it and process what's going on completely, this episode is an absolute game changer. Um, I actually had the good fortune a week before recording to sit down or actually head to a track with Adarian and spend two, three hours with him um, working on just this impulse, the way my foot and and ankle was intercepting and processing the ground, and how that was impacting my front side mechanic, how that was impacting my backside mechanic, how it was impacting my acceleration pattern. Um, And so, and as well as just how to like set up and assess an athlete before they even take a step in like a two point start, three point start how to get the feet aligned properly, how to create an arch, and how to go from there. It's amazing stuff because you start to really look at that moment on the ground and how that processing of the foot sets up everything else in the chain. And so it's all related. It's all linked. Uh, so again, topics today with the Adari- Darian that he's going to go into, dig into for us, is he's going to tell us about his history in trading the foot. He's going to define impulse. Uh, which, again, is could be a little bit of a complex thing depending on how you look at it, but it really is quite simple. Uh, he's going to tell us how to assess an athlete's impulse, talk about that in relation to like plyometrics and deceleration training. Um, he's going to talk about uh, fundamental differences in stride length, uh, as you heard in the teaser. Uh, and then finally, foot steering and how it impacts impulse and direction of force. And I will tell you, I, I've seen a lot of things and I've learned a lot of things from a Darian, but in learning the foot steering, it really changes so much it's just a little subtlety that has a big big impact so i know you guys will love this episode dig into it there's so much gold in here uh also too i've been mentioning this a lot but my book is now on sale speed strength Adarian had a huge impact in the development of the first chapter the sprint biomechanics chapter so definitely uh if you haven't grabbed a copy check that out and it's at just fly sports so i'd appreciate if you bought it anyways without any more delay let's get on to this episode one thirty-two on impulse and sprint technique with Coach Adarian Bar. Uh, so how long have you like? How long have you been looking at the foot specifically? Like, when in your coaching career did you kind of decide, hey, like, because I think that a lot of people who've been in this game long enough will eventually be like, oh yeah, I need to start looking at that more, right? I mean, just uh, ultimately it makes yeah. sense. We start well, figuring that I out. I mean,
0: I've been I've been looking at feet, man, for over ten years now. You know I've been I've been modifying shoes and all that kind of stuff for like for like over 10 years now uh, uh, and, and, and like I said you you, you go with what you have as far as what's available and, and then you have this knowledge and, and you're trying to you know rectify the two to, to work out and everything uh, uh, I mean I first started cutting shoes because I was on the same boat as everybody else I wanted more flexibility I, you know I didn't really get the arch I you know I'm looking at toes and I'm flexing stuff and all that kind of stuff and I'm trying to get you know I didn't really get it because I was going with what current knowledge was about shoes and everything. But early in those days too, I was already cutting out the the same shape and stuff of the insole. I was already, I already had that kind of design. I just thought it was more like everybody else that pressure was the issue. So I was trying to relieve pressure because that's what I, that's what I knew. That's what they said. And and then, uh, I started studying horseshoes And, and, and like, Six years ago, I started studying horseshoes and I talked to a friend of mine and I said, I would like to make a horseshoe for people and that's, 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 that started the whole. because they make horseshoes for different, you know, you can make a horseshoe to have a horse do this for, to have a horse do this, to change his stride. So you could, they can make a horseshoe to, 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 to affect the, the horse's stride and gallop and everything else. And so I said, and, and a horseshoe is around a certain area, you know, it's only on this certain area. And, and so, and I was like, holy, and, and, and that was my whole thought process you know, a few years ago, it was like, I wanted to make a horseshoe for everybody else.
1: Yeah. Isn't it amazing how other fields like have this stuff down, you know, like even the, the people who are making the robots, I saw a little <laughs> clip from that track football consortium that Chris Corfus was talking about. It was the MIT people writing about like, run, basically running mechanics. I was like, these guys got it down, like, you know, yeah, a, a, yeah, yeah. and these other well, industries. I, I, yeah.
0: Well, even like, uh, uh, maybe 15 years ago, I was talking to this one guy, he had a, he had a patent on a on a on a on a foot he was making artificial foot he had a patent on it and we were talking because it was a certain part of the foot that would keep breaking you know and i forgot what he called it and we were you know he was in colorado at the time he was getting a grant for it you know and this was like 15 years ago that i'm talking to this guy and he had a patent already but he couldn't fix this one thing you know he couldn't fix it and he was talking to me i'm talking to him I'm thinking like huh oh, you know maybe it's this you know but but we can go back 15 years when i was already talking to other people that were in this and, and they were trying to figure this stuff out so it's been, a, it's been a process and everything, but, but you know, like I said, it's one of those things where, where you just – the knowledge is there. It's just a matter of, of merging it with everything and, and getting rid of stuff that shouldn't be there, you know, uh, um, uh, and, and everything. Because even, I mean, five years, seven years ago, seven years ago I was making insoles out of wires because I understood I – it. like I said, I was trying to make a horseshoe. So seven years ago I was putting wires in shoes and they, and they were working except the wire keep breaking. You know, the wire would break and it would poke somebody. So I couldn't keep doing that. But, uh, but like I had this one athlete, he had, a, um, he had, a, um, a wart on his foot and it was during track season, during, during the end of the season and stuff. And so I made him in insult with a wire to keep the pressure off the wart. He ended up making it one, one meter away from state, <laughs> you know, and people go, the wire don't bother you. No, it doesn't. If you if you put it right, it doesn't just like the horseshoe, if you put the horseshoe on right, it doesn't bother the horse, put it on wrong. Oh, we got some problems.
1: Yeah it is it is amazing too like you were saying with the wart like it just largely intention to cushion around the wart but then it's like oh I'm really fast too and I'm sure you know you were doing um, things along like with the horseshoe design and I just think that it's an area too like it, it's a subtle region right like the foot because it's not just it's not just max force and max effort you have to it's an art form. You've done this for ten years. You got your ten thousand hours of man. I got like right. ten hours. I got ten hours. <laughs> you got that, I'm just learning. So uh well hey today's <laughs> yeah, show no, Yeah. Uh, it,
0: you know, it, it it's but but think about it too is is like like say when I was on Instagram and I was talking about um class two lever, you know? It, and you know once once that really nailed home, it was like, okay, voila. It was once that nailed home about the class two levers and stuff and like I said, I've been into levers for a while because I always you know the springboard I always you know like I, said, I looked at at divers and i'm thinking like how do they do this they don't crack their head on the dive board you know but but they're actually using what are they doing they stand on the ball of the foot they bend the heel they pop up and they're gone you know we in our business we actually would try and jump off the toes and they would crack their head if they tried to jump off the toes they would crack their head because they wouldn't go any place
1: yeah that's I've, I've seen you post about the little bit the class two levers, so how does that? How does the class two lever of the foot and the ankle? And you're talking about the diver a little bit, but how does that differ from what other people might say in terms of what the what the foot is and how it works?
0: Well, well, most people would agree that that, it, that foot is a class two lever. You have to. There's no way it, 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 there's no way to disagree about this. It's a class two lever. But like anything else, where they where the mistake is made at is if you have a wheelbarrow, you had to load the wheelbarrow. See, that's the whole thing. You have to load the wheelbarrow. If, you, if a wheelbarrow is empty, it's easy to pick up. There's no effort needed to pick it up. So if you want to put some effort in picking it up, you have to load the thing first. So same thing with the foot as a class 2 lever. You have to load it first. We're just used to picking it up with no load on it. But you have to load it first to get the effort out of it. So that becomes a thing of why the shin angles become important, because the shin angle actually ends up loading, loading the thing, so you get some effort from the heel raising up.
1: Gotcha, and hey, that leads in really well too to kind of the first uh, official question. But and this is what we were talking about, you know, for for two three hours yesterday, just having fun at the track. But but impulse and running and jumping. So, uh, what would you define? Uh, what's like a definition of the impulse uh, for an athlete uh, that projects them along in regards to the foot?
0: It's, it's just like it's just like the wave. You know, it's like a, like a like a wave. It's just the energy transfer. So so it's just at the impulse is the energy being transferred back to the body like like i always ask you know when people talk about push 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 and if you push harder you know my question always been is when does the ground push you back
1: so i think it's really i i think it's really cool how like the idea of when is the ground pushing you back because and, and I know something that you always talk about that I've taken on in the way I look at things now is timing, and, and I think we just often think about max force, just period. But we right. don't think about at what point does the ground put give back. I, I've always felt like Impulse 2, could you also uh, liken it to the Achilles unloading? Or I guess the Achilles just has to unload when the ground pushes us back. I, maybe I'm getting a little confused, but how does this fit in with the Achilles unloading its energy?
0: Well, it, it's well, you, two, two things, two things. you got to remember that Part of that the, the the Achilles is a setup. Is it's, it's because you you have the heel that's attached to the Achilles, and the heel is also attached to the front part of the foot. So so you have this 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 other spot in between. So now all of a sudden you have it when when the when it when the when the shin is loading or pushing the heel down. When we talk about the negative heel movement, you know, at that point in time, you know, the Achilles. Is being stretched with the shin movement. And so now as it's being stretched, the heel is going negative, and then pow, everything just pops and releases. And that we see, I showed you videos of that before where we see the Achilles get really thin, and then all of a sudden the foot moves, you know? But but that's the whole thing. The shin angle changes, the chin angle change and the negative movement of the heel is when the Achilles is being stretched at that point in time. So like I said, when you see the heel come back up, everything's done
1: yeah and that's that was one of the biggest revelations for me is it's almost like building the stride sprinting accelerating or even like jumping cutting whatever your sport is not even just track but anything like it all revolves around the timing of that when the ground pushes back and your achilles unloads and to me i was just like man what a game changer and even yeah i I think it was what like six months ago eight months ago you're posting about the watching people come out of the blocks from the back or or even just any movement where they don't have like socks high socks on and you see that Achilles thin out as it unloads, which I was like, that was a mind trip for me because I was taking a rubber band after that. I was like, wait, when this gets shorter, it gets fatter. I don't understand why the Achilles is the opposite. <laughs> like I spent like a whole day thinking about that and it just confused the shit uh, out yeah. of me.
0: Well, I, I mean, that's, that's one of the things, like so all this stuff is in front of us, it's just a matter of how we interpret it and what we see, you know? And, and, and so, uh, and, and like I say, I spent a lot of time, like I said, I got the hours in and I watched movement so much that I can see details now that I may not have seen if I hadn't studied movement so much, you know? And I think that's what we lose is the details. You know, nobody will catch the details of watching that Achilles thin out and then watch it go boom, you know, because most people would think what? In this business, most people, oh, you're about to tear your Achilles. That's what they would think. (laughs) Oh, your Achilles, you're about to tear your Achilles, you know, just like inside edge. Oh, you're going to blow your knee out. So people equate movement to injuries. And so they stop at that point. At that point in time, they just stop thinking about it and they avoid it. Because
1: they, they see injury coming. Yeah, it's it's once you have those ideas and it's just just new things to look at. It's just been such a game changer for me as I've worked with you. It's just looking at a joint and thinking, oh yeah, now here's something I can watch with this joint. And and now here's something I, because before I would have had no clue. You know, like you know, with the whole impulse thing, I always knew that you know Achilles unloaded and unloaded. But to look at to look at it to and link it to the timing. I you know that was totally new to me and has really changed a, a lot, and yeah. so one thing too I was I was going to ask you, uh, so what do you look for in terms of an athlete's impulse, uh, like how big it is or little it is? Um, how does how does the magnitude of the impulse play into their movement, and then what you're going to be coaching them with?
0: Uh, well, two things: the least amount of movement and the fastest movement, it's the best. The least amount of movement, fast movement is the best. And, and so because in that and the reason that is an important statement so people don't start trying to get more you know everybody wants to get more <laughs> you know uh, let me let me say i can let me say i can push this thing you know 10 inches and pop it back no if you can move it a quarter inch a quarter inch fast you can get a whole lot out of it it doesn't you know that thing is it, it's so powerful in a sense but at the same time you know you have to be so fast if it was if only gonna move a quarter inch and move fast you better be fast because it's traveling fast through you now. You got to get the other foot down, and then what do we try to do? Once again, we try to get a bigger step. Well, no, you can't get a bigger step because it's not going to throw you that far, you know. And, and at the same time, to me, that 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 I, the reason I look at that because that represents the max speed that you're traveling. When that thing releases, that's your max speed. So if I'm trying to run, I want to catch myself at this max speed not two seconds later as i'm slowing down and then i have to really try and 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 push harder to try and get going again so so for me it's always the 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 travel distance and the speed that it travels that distance at the shorter distance the faster travel the better
1: you're listening to the just fly performance podcast brought to you by simply faster Yeah, I think I think we see that a lot. Like people who are accelerating, and I was talking about this a little bit on the Q and A podcast I did a little while ago. Is like we're just we are in the industry where it's just like more, more, more. Like if little is good, a lot is better. Or like, or even like a sled. Right? You you showed me this was like uh, people doing sled marches, which you know, common exercise. I think it's yeah, perfectly fine drill, but people do it and they. The ankles are just getting destroyed every step. Like they're right, they're they're right, they're, right. they're going to huge dorsiflexion. They're taking all the slack out and their legs are just overpowering the 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 Achilles. And so it's like how is the ground even gonna push you back in that scenario?
0: Right, right, right. Well, I and that's what we talk about too, is even is we can like I said, it's not a, it's not very strong to begin with. So we can easily overpower it. You know, it doesn't take much to overpower it, or I say to kill it. If you kill it, you got a problem. And that's why even like sometimes when you see people jump off a box, you know, and they jump off a box and, and they, and they want to stick the landing. No, don't stick the landing because you, you're working against that whole impulse. You work, it's going and, to, and, and it's funny once again, they talk about opposite and equal. I hit the ground, I'm going to bounce off the ground, but then we stick the landing. No, don't stick the landing. Let it bounce you again. Let the impulse bounce you again. And basically you should take, you know, kind of like a wave once again, you should take one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine bounces until it's gone. But you shouldn't jump off of something and kill it, because then you're learning something that you're gonna have to unlearn if you really wanna run fast, jump high, and throw far.
1: Yeah, that's that's something that I, I think is a little bit of a trip. Cause I've always well, I, I've always felt like doing some of the, you know, where you just do the altitude drop and you drop and you absorb yeah. it in like maybe the base phase of a plyometric program. But you get I mean, I forget what study it was, but it was like basically you do that stuff too much where you don't rebound. And you start to like segment out your jump. I, I forget what study it is. It's killing me I don't remember it. But I, I think they were talking about it even when I was in graduate school 15 years ago where like the, the plyometrics group, the group that just did landings, like it's almost like their jump happened in two parts. <laughs> and so right. right, right, right it screwed right, up right, the impulse. Right. And,
0: that's, and that's what we was talking about too with, with the whole sprint start thing and lifting weights and stuff like that. When we were talking about how if all you do is, is extend, 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 then when it's time to run a jump, you you don't you don't get the fold-up portion in the in the fold-up portion is, is is really critical also so all of a sudden i'm coming out of blocks and that's what we was talking about yesterday when we was doing the jumps you know the uh what what do they call those jumps
1: oh it was the just t- tuck energy? just t- just tuck jumps
0: tuck jumps okay yeah we were talking about the tuck jumps and, and if you tuck jump your 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 calf and your heels will automatically come up if if you release the energy it will come up why because what was you got to remember that that The the knee is going down and the the heel is going backwards. So when it releases, guess what? The heel has to keep coming up. But what do we do? We extend. We we don't let the energy release. And so we start having problems. So that becomes a thing too. And we see it with weightlifting where people want to extend and they kill the impulse again. The really good ones, they drop so fast. So the impulse happened. they drop and they're underneath the weight. But once again, we have to talk about two different things. My issue is always about being fast, you know. It's always about being fast, and so you can have two guys lift heavy weights. One can do it fast, and one can muscle it. I'm going with the fast guy because the faster I go, the more actually I'm going to lift. I can only muscle so much, but I can get really fast and keep keep going up there.
1: Yeah, I I know. um, Yeah, the impulse um, uh, even outside of plyometrics or doing depth jumps, and not just. Trapping the force continually, and I mean, I, I think that's there's, the
0: term right there. Yeah, trapping the force.
1: You are, you, yeah. I, I consider a drop like you're trapping it. And now, like, yeah. I do get like the idea of if I'm going to have an athlete do a depth jump, like, eventually, you know, I wanted to be able to land it and let, check everything, you know, first. But I don't want that to be the paradigm, you know. Like deceleration isn't like the focus. <laughs> We're not training deceleration today. Like, right, I think right, that's, right, right, and that's right. too. Like you see people doing the deceleration train like, oh yeah, we're gonna drop off this box and land on one leg and but then it's always like they're just stuck in supination. Like they land and they're just like plowing into the outside edge of their foot, you know, and I'm like, how are you gonna redirect this? Like this is this yeah. is why that study was like that where where the jump becomes two parts or whatever you do, the sport cut, whatever, because you're not training yourself to redirect. You're just and you probably were doing it just fine in your sport. Like why do you have to train to do this? And and who's to say what is a good decel? Like, what's the bar for a good deceleration? Right, like, because it doesn't happen that often. <laughs> well, <you know>? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's what—that's why what you always hear me say, deceleration is already built into the movement. It's if it, if I jumped off a building that was 15 feet high, deceleration is built into it. I don't have to practice it. Mm-hmm. It's gonna work pretty well. And my body understands the difference between jumping off something 15 feet high and jumping off a foot high. It knows it very well. It's going to help with both of those. I don't have to practice the one at 15 feet. I don't have to practice one at one foot. Just jump. It's going to work out, you know. And, and so that's, that's the whole thing is, is is if you train deceleration, at that point in time, you're trained to kill impulse. You're training to kill it.
1: Yeah, the uh... – yeah, it's the the impulse is it really the more I look at it, just the impulse is just everything. And so, uh, so we've looked at we talked a little bit about what is the impulse, um, looking at in terms of how big an athlete's impulse is and and how fast it's coming. So so and and you've talked about this a little bit, like an athlete who say let's say they're set up in just like a two point position and they're gonna they're gonna take off and yeah. we're looking at their back foot and how much. So an athlete whose back foot or like bent very little or that back heel uh it, you know it's off the ground and ready to go and the back heel comes down towards the ground what's the difference between an athlete whose heel only comes down maybe like a couple centimeters and, ex- and explodes back versus an athlete whose heel comes down like i don't know like 5 or 6 or 7 centimeters and then comes back what are what's some fundamental differences in looking at the athlete who depresses a lot to get going and the athlete who depresses very little
0: uh pivot point so, so an athlete that may depress a lot is going to be more on their toes than actually on the on it, their pivot point has moved to their toes in a sense versus the pivot point should be the ball of the foot. So, so an athlete that's on the ball of the foot will have less negative heel movement than an athlete that's on the toes. That that's going to be the biggest difference right there. The other part too is where we talk about the changing shin angles. So, so if I'm if and that's why we talk about being tight. All this stuff about being loose. So. If I'm tight, then things are gonna transfer much faster. And, and which is a funny thing, is that we're word take up slack. You know, we, we want to take up slack, then we do all this stretching. You know, we, we increase the range of these all these joints, then we say, I want to take up slack. Well, stop all this other stuff and the slack is like right. so so these movements allow us to take up slack. But now we're dealing with, with two things. So let's say your heel does hit the ground. That's no big deal. Let's let's say your heel does hit the ground. So at this point in time, and what we talked about yesterday with the foot steering, and I know we weren't going to talk about foot steering; we were talking about impulse, but foot steering is part of the impulse. At that point in time, you have to you have to steer your foot left or right to continue taking up slack. So so it becomes a, a, another thing again. But but the biggest thing is that if the foot travels, the more the heel travels in a negative fashion, down towards the ground, the longer it's going to take. For that to be returned to you and it's going to be one of those things where 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 when it returns you have to make sure that the other swing leg or whatever you're doing matches that speed so if you have this long travel then the other leg has to have a long slow travel too so they match up if you have a fast travel the other leg needs to have a fast travel so everything matches up or if you're talking about throwing something you are throwing the javelin Man, when the impulse happened, that's when you talk about having a fast arm. When the impulse happened, the arm better be gone, you know. But in jabbing, we see a lot of times too. What happens? We see the heel starts to travel back up, and then we see the knee break, and then we see it, they're too slow because the impulse already happened, and they so far behind it. Now they're gonna muscle with the arm, and they wonder why the elbow hurts. The impulse happened already.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that that makes so much sense, and in the sense of the different types of athletes, like. You think of an athlete who's like a little bit more loose-jointed, like rotational, like a throw, like maybe a baseball pitcher, or javelin thrower, someone who really wraps it, um, right. and, and the timing fits with that. You you go through the long pull because you had you had that um, longer maybe longer impulse. And I know what you were talking about, and maybe this is what people listening could really like dial in and, and wrap and kind of put all this on or project this on. As you were saying that if you had looser joints. Mm-hmm. You would do better if I was doing a two-point start or a block start with my feet wider apart, because, like you said, like that it takes. I have a longer impulse in my foot, and so I have to give myself a spacing like that long front-to-back spacing, so that the leg has time to swing through as I'm my impulse is going. Whereas maybe like the Ben Johnson, like feet like right next in the pedals where he doesn't exactly. depress. Yeah, he doesn't depress much. His impulse happens so fast if his feet were stretched out long front to back, he would he wouldn't know what to do with it. it. It would be weird to even think about that or see <laughs> exactly, it, right? Exactly,
0: exactly. And, and so that's why when people get caught up in block start on this 120, whatever, 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 or this exact thing, the, your block start setting should be based on the speed and depth of your impulse. That it, That's all it is. And that's why we had the assessments. If you do the assessments, this information you already have, and people are thinking, like, what do you mean they got an assessment? You know, you to have to explain that to people too, right? <laughs> yeah, well maybe
1: we should go through that if you're gonna talk about it, like maybe uh, just a quick version too of, of how you would assess that would just, you know, like if someone had their shoes off and they're doing a two-point start, and like what's what what's the nutshell version of what you're looking at there?
0: Uh well, nutshell version I'm looking at is they squat down and and the knees start to, you know, or the ankle, dorsiflexive ankle, whatever you want to call it. Shin angle starts to change, you know, I'm looking for the depth that it changes and, and the heels stay on the ground. Once the heel starts to come off the ground, that's it's over. So, so once again, when they squat down, you know, the shin angle is going to start to change. And, and how far does it go before the heels start to come off the ground? That's, that's going to be your block setting. We're going to set up just that simple. And, and what happens at that point in time though, is that people have never forced that issue. People, you know what I'm saying. People never. How far can I really press my knees forward? You know, how far can I really before the heels start to come off the ground? So once you get there, that becomes the first assessment. Is just assess your shin angle, depth of shin angle.
1: Yeah, and just just from like a really polarized black and white too, like like. Just to be the the simplest possible, I guess, if I was to reduce this as as I, I always hate to polarize things, right? But like someone who could get really far down in that squat, like a ton of forward knee travel, kind of longer, looser Achilles, right? Um, they would be a wider block spacing, and then their their knees would be farther down because they they their knees can like to kind of get that um, Achilles closer to loaded before right. they explode. That would be right. a good way of putting it.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Somebody. And, and so this is where, you know, you know, like I said, this, and this becomes a funny thing. If you don't squat very much, what do they try to get you to do? Squat more. <laughs> but now, see, that that's always this more thing. So yeah, so if you have somebody with, with that much travel, yeah, further apart, somebody with not a very much depth to their squat, stick them close together.
1: Yeah, someone somebody who's just like tight and loaded and has a hard yeah. time squatting down all the way. And even though, you know, me as a strength coach, I'm like squat down all the way, you know. Damn it, and like get your knees more. Right, 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 and they're, right they're, But they're right. loaded. They're they're, and, it, and that's where we think too about like the repercussions of all this stuff. I mean, because even me, like I've, I'm definitely not the same athlete I was 15 years ago. In the sense, like I'm a much better deep squatter now, and right. you know, in some levels that that's helped me a lot. you know with some general strength and some key areas. But what I think right. I just forget is how that's changed my Achilles and my impulse over the years.
0: <laughs> right. Well. Well, you know, it becomes the thing that, that, you know, with the assessment. And and so, uh, and we'll mention real quick. So the four things to the assessment is we want to see which way the feet steer. We want to see the depth of the shin angle change. We want to see the knees track and we want to see your impulse level. So with those four things, we can determine how to set you up for almost any sport, you know, Uh, uh, you know, because we already know if, if, say say on the impulse it doesn't travel very much but it's slow that means you have very little impulse to start with so you can have some very choppy strides in a sense you know for somebody with 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 not much travel but but it goes fast they gonna they gonna they can open up on somebody you know so so you're looking at these different things but but you get some d- d- some some specific answers to an athlete and how to train an athlete just based on those that those those four assessments and everything but but yeah, you're right. If they if they can squat down and touch their knees to their toes, you know, they need to have a wide stance, you know. If they squat down and the shin moves 2 inches, they are going to have a very short stance.
1: I uh, got gotcha, you cuz they already they already loaded. Um uh, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it is just so crazy that these absolutes exist like I mean, and yeah, if you you have a bunch of kids at track practice that like you know don't know anything you know about blocks yeah maybe you could start with the two foot and three foot if you don't have you know and and then we'll work from there a little bit but like just to say just to hammer that angle like especially with everything i've learned from you, you know now what we've talked about in the podcast like some people might get there and it's good they're gonna be you know blow their get their doors blown off like a few hundreds are gonna go by before they can even get to the point where they could their impulse could start and other people will be gone right. already it's it's impulse management, really. It's it's yeah. it's a skill of impulse management. That's what sport is. It's never it's it's a sequence of events too. It's not just one thing. You know, it's not yeah, just right. here's a binary right. single thing that's going to happen. It's like okay, shin angle changed. Now you know, like now this is going to happen, and then uh, uh, right. down the. It's, it's really <laughs> right. complex. It's right. it's not right. it's not and, that and, simple. And so,
0: if you don't practice that, like and, and for these guys at the elite level. They have a lot of this ability already. But if we don't have it, we can practice it and pick up on it. Yeah. You know? So so you can teach a receiver that skill now. They say, hey man, look it. All we're gonna do is, is set this shit angle, jam this back, and you off the line before you even know it.
1: Oh yeah. No, that's I mean, that's something that you could set up in a training, just a two steps training sequence. It could make it you could make it happen. And yeah. uh it's, but it's just, yeah. It's again. I think we we tend to just maybe not look at things. That way. But once you see it, you you can't watch an athlete train and not think about it. And I think that that's really powerful. Uh, I was going to ask you too, and maybe this is just like a really another really simple thing, like beyond acceleration, because everyone knows upright running and and what upright running looks like. And so, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. I'll let you close that first. There, there you go. <laughs> they don't know how
0: to be quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, at least my kids, well, are at least doing? my my kids quieted okay, down. But, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. So, so everyone knows upright running what upright running looks like, and right. and I think this is just something that's so cool because I think that I mean upright running is just it's simple in the sense of I mean it's, it's really complex, but like. I mean, compared to like a football, a football um, skill player taking off and making moves, it's not that complex, you know. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to understand, wrap your head around. But like, uh, so how does a stride, like, like I'm up and running, whether whether I'm running a a mile or whether I'm running, you know, the hundred meter dash. Re- regardless, how does my impulse impact things like, like, how high is my knee going to lift, or uh, the timing of the the cycle?
0: Well, okay. If, if you have a, a slow impulse and a long impulse, you have a high knee lift. If you have a short and fast impulse, you won't have a high knee lift. The knee rises as the heel drops. So as the heel drops, that's when the knee's gonna rise. It doesn't drop very far, it's not gonna rise very far. That's as simple as it gets. So most likely, I would gamble and bet that the slow person has higher knee lift than the fast person, because they don't have as fast impulse.
1: You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. Because I mean the the video that I mean a lot of people who are in the track or even just running have seen it so many times. With the one, it's like Bolts running slow motion. Christoph Lemaitre's there next to him. There's some like short guy on the end who's who's going pretty fast right off the right. bat, but then he gets still overtaken. Right. Um, and and I think the the Bolt Lemaitre are a good example of of uh. The, the, or what would you say, like the, the quicker impulse being bull and the, the slightly longer impulse with Lemaitre because he really like rides over that, um, that leg for a long time and he gets this tremendous knee lift. Um, right,
0: right, 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 right. I would say two things. One is that you see the difference in, in two fast athletes, you know. The other thing too is you see better management of an impulse. So Lemaitre could get faster if his impulse was managed better.
1: Hmm. So what? So basically, because you know his his foot ends up behind him a, a long time to apply that impulse. How would he manage it? Is it through twisting of the foot that he's going to manage that a little bit better?
0: Uh man, I wish I had a video to pull up right now. But <laughs> if you notice one thing: the whole thing about it is this here. When we talk, remember we talked about high point, low point, with the with the heel traveling up and back down to the ground. The foot, Sure. The heel has the same thing. The heel is a high point, low point. You know. Your foot is the ground Heels going to drop low point come back to the high point no big deal so what you see with the metric versus Bolt is this here Bolt foot leaves the ground and it immediately goes to a high point it immediately comes back to a low point lemaitre foot flips up to a high point then it slides forward because nothing's he's sliding forward so his impulse so in a sense he's so far of his impulse that he's waiting now for his impulse to happen ah and then when the impulse happens, the foot kicks around, and, and then he gets, you know, but but so if they would manage his impulse better, take that slide out, he would get his feet around much faster without compromising his stride length.
1: Gotcha. So basically, like, uh, maybe you could say this too is one of the, the negative implications of just telling someone to get their knees up is they're going to delay their impulse to make that happen. Like, right. if my coach says, get your knees up and run, or even when you do, like, just A runs, right, or, or like, right. you have to have, you have to change the way the impulse happens through the foot and the, off the ground to, to let that knee get up there. And then, right. it probably isn't your natural impulse and you don't run as fast.
0: <laughs> right. Also, too, I can show you video of, of people doing three or four impulses because, it's, you know, they do one, they do another one, they do another one, they do another one, and then, uh, by that time, you don't have much left. Yeah. But, but you can see that happening too. But the other thing is that, yeah, it's, it's, if you lift your knee, it's going to take away from the impulse, you know? So, and, and then we talk about the whole backside thing where people want to get rid of backside. You don't want to get rid of backside cause it's tied to the impulse. You know, that's, it's another thing is, it, it, it's not that it's excessive or anything like that, but it's waiting on the impulse. And when the impulse happens, that foot will get whipped around just as
1: easy. Gotcha. So that's interesting that you were mentioning that because I think, I mean, that's always something that I just heard was like, you know, watch the backside, be frontside dominant. Don't be, I mean, and there's also like, don't be a butt kicker. Like, I mean, I think there is a difference between good backside and bad backside mechanics, right? I mean, there's certainly people who do it poorly. I, well, if-
0: well, yeah, like anything else, you know, it's, in what we talked about is who's flexing the knee. If Is the hamstring flexing the knee or is the calf flexing the knee? makes a big difference, you know? So yeah, and that's why a lot of times, too, where I tell people, just because you see two people doing the same thing, don't mean they're doing it the same way, Yeah, you know? So so yeah, there, there are some ways that, that and, and that's what's, if you're talking about traditional push-the-ground person, then yeah, they probably do want to get rid of backside, you know, they because they just try. But if we're talking about an impulse person, you don't want to get rid of the backside. You want to understand how to manage that and time it to the impulse so, so the foot's at a high point at the right time, and then the impulse happens and kicks the foot down to the ground, which creates the next impulse. I don't have to push the ground because I got this foot traveling down to the ground super fast, and now that's my next impulse.
1: Yeah, everything just has this harmonious balance to it, right? Like even you were <laughs> saying, like even even when you try to punch the ground, like if you're trying to be frontside in acceleration, you're punching down into the ground, which I, I know is very common. And, you know, like… At least it gets people thinking about the impact they're creating, the way that right. they're because we want the shins to hit the ground when we're accelerating at that angle, not not right. just falling out in front of us, which I tend to do a lot, and, and you know, and that's good. But like, but from an impact perspective, if you're punching the ground, you're almost creating more of an impact than you could potentially handle with the timing of things. Exactly,
0: exactly. Because once again, when is that coming back to you? So if you punch the ground, it's coming back so fast, the impulse coming back so fast you're not ready for the next step.
1: Yeah, because you, so, you're really magnifying so it. Go ahead. Yeah, you're really like magnifying. It's almost like you're making it more uh, plyometric in nature, but it's like fitting it around. Because I guess you just think about like, like an animal in the wild or like a cheetah isn't thinking about punching the ground. You know, like, I mean, it's, I, it's a different it's a different being, <laughs> you know, than we are. Right, but. right,
0: right. right. But, they understand, but they understand impulse because you watch them. When they stretch out, they stretch out to the impulse. They stretch out to the impulse. They just don't really, really, you know, you can see them gather, impulse, stretch out, gather, impulse, stretch out, you know, so you can see the harmonious flow still.
1: So, yeah, something actually I was thinking about today as I was going out doing my workout. So I was you you got all this impulse stuff in my head now. And the way I see this, too, is I think, you know, to do this adequate justice and just a podcast over the air, you listen in the car. It's hard to wrap your head completely around a lot of the things, but one of the things I think that I was able to, and I always have to start with something really simple, you know, just just one degree straight front to back, and I got, you know, I got that. And let me figure this out. So one of the things that I've I've done in the past that I've noticed has always given me tremendous results, um, athletic results, is what I call mini bounding, which is like basically where I'm bounding and I'm trying to. And, and then this and more like recently, like especially you know it's in my 30s like because I've I've kind of I've lifted a lot, I've gotten my squat better in a way that my Achilles were a little bit looser and I've probably lengthened my impulse out a little bit and like uh, but mi- I've always like mini bounding where basically you just try to strike the ground quickly. I mean really it is almost not not entirely punching the ground, but basically you're just trying to minimize the contact time a little bit in favor of a longer bound like where you're going for max distance. And I've, I've liked, like, pairing that with Olympic lifts and stuff like that. And maybe that helps the cleans get a faster impulse in the cleans or something like that and and vice versa. But I was just doing that a little bit today, like, doing this really quick contact time bounds and then contrasting that to, like, letting the bound out, like, then going for max distance. And a little bit like what you are saying, like, doing in-and-out sprints where it's not, like, 30-meter segments but, like, 5-meter segments where it's, like, short, fast, short, fast, and, and you feeling that. So... But it's just it's this crazy feeling how the impulse changes and where it is when you're doing like five to ten yards of bound as fast as you can with contact times and then bound as far as you can. And you can just feel it's like your body truly weighed and push versus a quick strike. And that was actually something I was gonna ask too, is changing the impulse. So like, I know for me, I mean i I feel like I would love to get my impulse quicker. Like I mean, is that something that you're looking at if you're coaching somebody? You're looking at how big their impulse is. Obviously, on the day, you coach them what their impulse is, but is there something where you would say, hey, we need to get your impulse a little faster um, or, or longer or, or anything like that? Is that in the equation?
0: Uh, well, no. It's, it's, it's not that. The, the impulse is going to dictate what you do. So the impulse may get stronger and faster. That means you need to do something different. Yeah. You know? So so the, And as we talk about this timing and management again, so, so the impulse is always going to dictate everything else. So we can do drills, yes, to say, okay, we're gonna try and increase the speed of the impulse, we're gonna in- increase the depth of the impulse. We can always do that. But as soon as you do that, you have to make the other adjustment.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's where it's just like I mean, you know, like any training program, you did a program, you got faster and you know, you maybe were more powerful in these ways, but then you gotta fit it into your technique, you know, and that takes time. Like it takes time that, to cycle yeah, that, that takes time. time
0: you yeah, had to make those adjustments and everything, which is like we said just like at the track yesterday. You know, my philosophy on block starts is if you're really doing block starts, you need to do 20, 30, 40 of them in one day because you work it out step by step by step by step, you know. And, and so as soon as you make an adjustment on that block start, you got to start all over again with step by step by step by step adjustment. Because like I said, we saw yesterday. OK, you got one good impulse in. Now you got two good impulse in. Now you got three good impulse in. It's, it's, it's step by step by step. And most people come out of blocks, they just react. You know, I just yeah. react. No, it <laughs> takes. If you're really doing block work, it takes a whole lot of starts to figure out that impulse and the time and then manage it right.
1: Yeah, no, this it's it is really amazing actually how much technique is in a start. And I think um, I, you know, I was just reading an, an article that uh, Mike Boyle put out about uh, their athletes and like they're going through the strength and resistance training program and how people's verticals. Uh, would go up, but the the sprint times wouldn't really see that same benefit. And yeah. you know, and and it's just it's it's very technical. Like it's a lot more technical than people would think. Even um, Jerome Simeon, had he was strength coach for Kevin Mayer just broke the world record in the decathlon. Was saying like top end speed. A lot of times you're just gonna run to what your body has to offer. But acceleration is a little bit more technical. Like <laughs> it takes reps.
0: Yeah, yeah, it takes reps and stuff like that. You know, and the other part is, is just understanding, you know, like understanding what makes us fast in the first place. And an impulse makes you fast. Impulse makes you throw far. Impulse makes you jump high. So you can take this one concept and apply it across the board versus that, that one concept of just push harder. Whole different, you know, uh, and and the reason that, because we can see the impulse, we can, we can see it. We can, we can see with our very own eyes about the, this, the depth of it, this, the speed of it. This is when this is happening. So, so once you start to see it, we can manage it. A lot of this other stuff we can't see, so we can't manage it. You know, we try to, you know, but but we, but we, but we really can't. So, so now taking the same context when somebody says, "Hey, you know, lift your knee higher," okay, make your impulse slower. See, that's that's the that's the response now. Okay, make your impulse slower. Your knee will go higher. Kind of simple. Before, lift your knee higher. Well, how much higher? How much longer? When do I stop it? That, you know, you got questions that you can't answer. This way, okay, if you want to take it higher. Hmm. You want to go higher? Make that impulse slower. Make it slower. Make it slower. It'll get high.
1: Yeah, it's – it's. I mean I go back to the bounding too because the bounding is such an easy way of looking at it. When I'm just trying to be really quick off the ground and be really fast with my impulse, which from a training perspective, I am usually trying to get a faster impulse because I, I think my – as soon as I get loose through my – I might just fall apart as an athlete. Yeah, like, no, no. <laughs> it's so bad.
0: Yeah, I mean that becomes a thing. It's, it's just, yeah. I, I mean same thing. I, I, you know, and, and what's funny for me is when my impulse gets faster. Guess what? My stride, my stride has to be faster. So I just think, and it's it's it's, it's kind of a feeding itself type thing, which we don't normally think about. We normally think about I'm going to open my stride up to go faster. We're here with impulse. Actually, if it comes faster, your stride, you got to put your feet down sooner. So your strides may actually get smaller in a sense, but but you're actually going to go faster because you're catching yourself at peak speed more times than not
1: yeah I was gonna say with the knees up, like when I do the bounding and just try to be fast, I, my knee doesn't go as high. My knee goes really high when I do those long bounds, you know that I'm just trying to go right. as far as I can or you know more like triple jump or whatever. like then it then it'll go, but I'm not I'm probably not covering the ground, you know as fast, and it wouldn't fit as uh, much into like a sprinting or other things I'm trying to do. and uh, it was just interesting to think about, like you said that, and yeah, then the direction with the impulse um, is or how long it takes to apply the impulse completely changes.
0: Right, 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 right. And then, you know, like I said, you know, some things we didn't get into, you know, was like, the, you know, how does the steering of the foot affects the impulse, you know, and, and, and how does impulse, uh, uh, blow out a knee impulse can blow out a knee. If and that's what we're talking about, why would you blow your knee out because the impulse is coming back through and your foot's going in the wrong direction. So the knee takes the, the knee's going to take all that now. That's not a good thing anymore. So, so, so yeah. It, it, and so it's, it's funny the things we try to correct. Like for instance, we see a lot of what elite sprinters do what? Run with their feet turned out and we want to turn them back in. No, leave them turned out. Just understand how you're going to help steer them to get the most out of the impulse.
1: Yeah. That's something that I think a lot of people are talking about too with uh, like, obviously Christian Coleman. Oh, that guy's got his feet turned out. What's wrong with, you know, what, he should just turn them in straight and he'll be so much faster. You know, like I'm sure that's the, the the thing running through a lot of people's heads. So with the feet turned out, so you get someone who's a little bit, you know, foot turned out like that. Um, what are you, how is the foot steering itself as they're well, as they're up and running?
0: Well, at that time, you know, like we said, with, with foot steering, you know, you, you have the arch of the foot, you have the toes, and you have the heel. So the arch connects to both ends together. So, so technically, you know, I'm a car guy and I, and I grew up on cars talking about alignment. So technically you're talking about four wheel steering at the time, you know, you're talking about this four wheel steering thing. So the, 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 the steering has to be congruent. So if the foot is turned out, that means the heel must also turn out. That, that means they most, both must go in the same direction. If the foot is inward, that means the heel must come inward. If the foot's straight, the heel can go back. That, that, that means everybody's on the same page at that time. And, and so what tends to happen is that why is that important because their impulse is coming not from the heel dropping now but from the heel twisting that it's gonna it's gonna twist out and snap back around and they're gone again so it's just a faster way for these guys to move you know somebody else may say hey let's straighten these guys out all of a sudden you take this guy that's used to this short impulse and straighten his foot out now his impulse just got a little bit longer
1: yeah i the, so yeah an easy way of thinking of that yeah as the foot turns out the heel has to go with it. the rear foot and the heel of the calcaneus, goes with it if it's in the he- rear foot has to go with it but like um, and you had turned me out of that too with like people who are really good at, who are really good out of the blocks. Uh, you' you're watching from the back and the it's like they'll step and that that twisting manifests itself as soon as they toe off that toe is coming back towards the midline almost towards the other foot. And you see that in those good accelerators, but the people who aren't quite as good, a.k.a. me, uh, <laughs> I, I don't get any of that. And I never really thought about that until you talked about the rear foot and the twisting and how that's lining up. And then when you, anything you load is going to unload, you know. And so um, right. I thought, I thought that was really right.
0: cool. Right. Well, even, even when we talked talk about triple jump yesterday and how, you know, the fact that, you know, if your arch is set, how I can twist my foot in the air. I can twist it in the air. And I can I can really jam the ground down and, and jam off the ground based on me moving my foot in the air to set up my impulse on the ground. Because when I triple jump, what what am I going to do? I'm going to land with a flat foot. I'm, the foot's going to land flat. So at that point in time, all I can do is twist left or right to get my impulse still. You know, uh, uh, or you know, like saying in a long jump, you know, when is casting good? Casting's good in long jump because why? Because I want that leg way in front of me. When the impulse happens yeah and if it's in front of me now i'm going to travel with it so versus high jump i don't want to cast because it's going to be short and punchy but i still you know but i'm still trying to time that to my impulse so so the beauty of this is you can take this one concept and you can put it to every event based on how am i going to manage it for this event here
1: yeah and that's the gold man and even what we were talking about with with my hurdling, like my and I was working on that today, too. It's like you give me so many things to think about because usually my legs sweep straight out. That's why I kept wrecking my hamstring doing hurdles in college right. and my coach wouldn't let me. <laughs> and, 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 of course, you know, sports medicine is like, oh, what's your quad to hamstring ratio? Like, And it ended up being pretty darn good, and they were really surprised. It's like, oh, why are you – you know, like – but no one taught me how to hurdle. And even then, you know, what people would just have me do is line me up against the hurdle, have me tuck my heel real tight and then snap my leg out. But yeah, yeah you, you're saying is I'm just early on my impulse. And so it's going to, uh, that's impacting the way that I'm just swinging my leg straight out to get me over versus having the impulse a little bit later.
0: Right, 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 right. And, and so that's what we, you know, that's the thing is, you know, when is this impulse going to happen? So when you were hurdling, yeah, you, you had this, you, your impulse happening, your leg's too far in front. So the wave, the energy, strings the leg out, you know? Versus, if it happens a little bit later, it's actually going to swing that leg up and over the hurdle. It's, it, it's. But like I said, and, and the thing is, you still hurdle. That's that's always the thing. You know, you still hurdle, but you could have less injuries, better time, and get you a faster time.
1: Just, yeah. Just
0: managing the impulse better.
1: Yeah, it's really and and the podcast a podcast that'll go out before this one with Dr. Emily Splickle was just she said something that I really really liked and it's. She said it's really you're dancing with the ground. Everything has to be in timing and rhythm and sync, like with the even the vibrations of the ground. And Yeah,
0: try to stay all day long.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 for some reason I think, you know, a lot of people really just try to shy away from that. It's like, you know, you're not you're not dancing with the ground if you're punching the ground. I mean, you know, I, I, I understand getting people in the right angles and things like that, but like to be at the true high performance, the highest high performance it's a dance and everything's in sync with the timing and and so Uh, Yeah, so if I'm trying to kind of summarize what you've been saying is for for myself and then the listeners out there in terms of you know we're talking about the impulse and the foot and the steering. So uh, a big impulse, so a big long load of the impulse yields a long travel of the swing leg, right? Like, and then uh, we also if we we twist to move. So if we're steering, if our toes turn out, then the calcaneus has to go out. If our toes turn in, the calcaneus goes in. And uh, then impulse dictates stride length too. And like the good athletes are still going to figure that dance out. You know, they're going to – they're gonna. and then we watch oh, yeah, yeah, them. Yeah, we, the
0: good ones. And that's yeah. why they don't need coaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we, we
1: watch them, their video, and then yeah. we use them to figure out what to do with everybody else, right? <laughs>
0: well, you're talking about two things. The really good athletes got it figured out and the kids have it figured out. In between, we all got – rest is in between the good athletes and the children, you know. But, but even I was thinking about like pole vault, you know uh uh or or gymnasts you know what do you see those guys do really good gymnasts they have the, they have just the short fast strides but they never miss the beat they never miss the timing of changing from running to vaulting to tr- whatever they're doing they never miss it because they they, they show time to the impulse you yeah. know and same thing, a good pole vaulter that's why you know i was thinking the other day a good pole vaulter shouldn't run with high knees interesting because the impulse is coming so fast you know what I'm saying? When that pole bends, the impulse they gotta go.
1: Ah, gotcha. Yeah, adding the pull in, it's gonna create almost like a bigger. Well, you gotta counter that thing, and if you're too slow, it probably screws up the harmonics of it.
0: Right, right, right. So they they really need a fast impulse, or you know they don't they don't they they need to time their feet because they may not have a fast impulse. So so that means they're gonna have short choppy strides also. So work that out, and then boom, everything works for them.
1: Cool. Well, hey, awesome stuff, Adarian. I, I mean, every time I chat with you, well, obviously we did all this yesterday in person, so it makes it a little bit, you know, <laughs> like I tried to be redundant, but it's it's always good talking, man. And, and uh, if anything nothing else, it helped me kind of sort my mind and create kind of this mental notes and checklist of what we went over and then as well as for everybody at home or in the car listening just to kind of like – just to have that another uh, – another tool in your tool belt on what to look for and what to, what to look for first rather than looking for the outcomes of everything that's built around that impulse. So, um, great stuff today. Thanks for, thanks for your insight.
0: All right. Hey man, thanks for having me. But yeah, as uh, as always, man, good times.
1: All right. Thanks for tuning in everybody. And I hope you enjoyed that one. I hope you're able just to dig in and maybe take some notes. And it's my goal that no matter how the information hits you exactly on what side of uh, you know, the front side or backside argument you're on, that the episode causes you just to look at things a little bit differently. It gives you that new thing to say, hey, let me check this out when I'm looking at jumping and sprinting and throwing. It makes a big difference. And I'm so grateful that Darian uh, took the time yet again to share some good uh, information and knowledge with us. So uh, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to. Um, it would also be awesome if you visit our sponsor, simplyfaster.com, suppliers of high end, training technology, Freelap, Gym Aware, Kbox, Muscle Stim, Force Plates. They have an awesome supply and selection of the best technology. And they have a great blog too. And Christopher just does an awesome job over there. So props to them for being a great sponsor for us for so long. We will see you guys next week with... French strength coach, Jerome Simeon, he is breaking down how he helped Kevin Mayer on his journey to a decathlon world record rad episode. This is a one, two track and field punch, but again, applicable for any sport, any coach, and we'll see you guys next time.